Good morning. This morning's scripture is Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 through 42. It says, you have, heard you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and make your tunic, and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Hello, good morning. I'm Tommy. I'm the pastor that he just spoke of a minute ago. Uh, Sean's right. Attendance up, giving's down. What are we going to do? need a little more. You can help me out. That'd be great. Um, but uh, other than that, um, today's passage is this, and it is... I, by far, to me, one of the most fascinating and, and the best passages um, that we have from the mouth of Jesus. I know I say that like every week, but I mean it this time. Um, but like when people see this, when people tend to see what Jesus is doing here, what he's saying, what he's talking about, um, a lot of people tend to be just like shocked, like, whoa, that is huge and it's incredibly informing. Um, and it changes how you interact with society. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about all this. Um, I don't think I'm going to go very long today. It didn't seem to be long earlier. Who knows, though? Maybe I'll just get a second wind. Um, right after this service, I normally hang out and talk to everyone. I will not be able to today. I'm gonna, I have to get in the car and go to the airport. I'm flying to Chicago to study New Testament interpretation with some other people. And it's going to be fun. And I'm looking forward to it. But I'm going to be late if I stick around and talk to you like I really want to. So I can't today, and I'm really sorry. But... Uh, next time I'll just stick around twice as long and we'll talk about everything, okay? So, um, so uh, yeah, you guys feeling, I'm hyper. You guys feeling good? All right. I accidentally ate like twice as many calories as I was supposed to yesterday. So I think I'm just, I'm just gonna burn that all off up here. Um, let's pray, shall we? Father, thank you for this place and these people. Um, guide our, our time today, speak to us, encourage us, give us understanding, give us things we need to see, things that we haven't ever seen before. Um, inspire us, give us imagination, and uh, give us um, not just knowledge, but wisdom about what are we to do with all of this. Um, thank you for this ancient writing. Thank you for preserving it. Thank you for the people who worked so hard to keep it for us so that we could sit here 2,000 years later and open it up and, and be so shocked and surprised by the things that we find in it and how applicable they are to us this very day um, with all of the things going on uh, in our lives and in our communities. Um, so be with us, speak to us. Father, we do want to take a moment and lift up everyone who has been in harm's way in the storm over the weekend. A lot of people connected with our community um, are going through hard times now because of uh, the, the hurricane. I ask that uh, you would send people around them, give them peace, um, give uh, the people who are aware of what they're going through, give them wisdom about how to respond and, and what they can do to help. Um, teach us all um, about you, about generosity, about love, about grace through all of this. Um, thank you. In your name, amen. Okay, so here we go. Uh, Matthew five thirty eight starts off, you have, heard it, heard, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. So here we have an ancient law. It's called lex talionis. And um, it's, it's basically... Tit for tat, eye for an eye, you hit me, I hit you back. It's, that's, it's an ancient idea. Um, what Jesus is doing throughout Matthew chapter 5 is he's, he brings up um, what he calls the righteousness of the Pharisees, which is the religious leaders among all of us. 
um, those who are the most moral, the most pious, who call attention to their philanthropy and their holiness and their righteousness, um, and that make the rest of us feel, in a way, insufficient and, um, and less godly, less loved by the divine. Um, and Jesus says, there is a righteousness that is actually higher than theirs. It has nothing to do with the laws. It has nothing to do with, um, with keeping the laws. It has nothing to do with things like not murdering. It has to do with your heart, something deeper. It has to do with um, how you actually look at other people. Um, and so it's a change of heart. It's from the inside. And so he brings up these ancient laws. And one by one, he brings up an ancient law that was well-known and well-discussed. And he changes it. And he says, you've heard this. I say this. And he shows you, so he's like, you've heard this, and it's here. I say there's a higher way, and it's this. So he brings up this law of lex talionis, of eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. We find this in the ancient book of Leviticus, uh, chapter 24. It says, anyone who maims another shall suffer the same injury in return. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. The injury inflicted is the injury to be suffered. Now, um, this is not an original law to the scriptures. There is, uh, this goes back a long ways. Um, uh, if we go all the way back to what's called the Code of Hammurabi. Hammurabi is an ancient king who reigned from about 2200 BC um, to uh, somewhere in the 2100, uh, mid-2100s. And uh, there's a picture of him hanging out up there, cool hat. Um, and he's, he's been carved onto this big basalt rock. Uh, it's probably about four feet tall. You can go see this if you go to Paris. Uh, it's, it's in some museum over there. Um, it's in a museum, and you can, but, but carved on, on this stone, if you zoom in real close, um, what you're going to see is something that looks like this. It's ancient Akkadian, and it is the Code of Hammurabi. It, this was a stone that would have sat in the middle of an ancient city, lots of ancient cities, um, who whatever cities were, owned, were run and directed by this king. Um, and this would be the law, and you'd be able to read it. Um, and written on this stone is this ancient law, which Jesus quoted, but it has a slight variation to it. Tell me if you can see it. If a man has caused the loss of a gentleman's eye, his eye shall, his eye shall one cause to be lost. If he has shattered a gentleman's limb, one shall shatter his limb. If he has caused a poor man to lose his eye or shattered a poor man's limb, he shall pay one mind of silver. If he has made the tooth of a man who is his equal fall out, one shall make his tooth fall out. If he has made the tooth of a poor man fall out, he shall pay one-third of a mina of silver. Slight difference, slight variation in the law that's how, that, that sort of separates and distinguishes classes. Um, and women are not really mentioned in the Code of Hammurabi except as property to be owned. So this was a whole different thing. Um, what we have here is, he mentions a gentleman, which is, I guess, a rich person, an upperclassman, and a, and, a, and a poor man, just a normal person. And if two gentlemen get in a fight and one knocks, the other, one knocks the other's eye out, his eye would be plucked out. Sorry. Uh, but if, if, it's like a, if it's a poor man, if you get in a fight with a, with a poor man, you knock his eye out, you knock his tooth out, toss him a coin, be on your way. Um, it, is, uh, it is exactly what it seems. It is some people are worth less than others. Some people are less important. Some people um, are, are just um, really less human than others. 
That's how the ancient world was. So when we find this law, um, I'm going to bring up the law again and a few other points I'm going to go through. When we find this law in the book of, uh, of, of Leviticus, in Levitical law, the Hebrew law, the, the, the law code of the ancient Israelites, it's the same law, but it's changed. It starts with the word anyone who maims another shall suffer the same injury in return. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Injury is inflicted, is the injury to be suffered. Nowhere in, in the law of, of the Israelites do we find this class because um, we, are, we are building something new and different. We talked about this last week. Um, we're, we're priests in the temple, and the whole thing's a temple. The whole, this is a, a different way of living. We're going to be a different kind of nation. No kings, just these people. And of course, as time goes forward, they became just like all the other nations. But... Some people still read the Old Testament. They open up these passages and they use a passage like this to prove, once again, the barbaracity of Leviticus, right? Of the Old Testament, of of Christianity and Judaism, right? Um, And they say, well, this is ancient. I mean, if you take someone's eye out, you you lose your eye. Like, that's ancient. That's barbaric. That's not just in any way. This is why we shouldn't follow religions. Um, except when you read this in the ancient world, you can see what an, a huge step forward this is, a divine, incredible step forward, because the point of this was intended, it was intended to limit personal injuries and personal violence. Um, in the ancient world, um, really outside of the kingdoms of the Code of Hammurabi, and oftentimes inside, um, there would be a situation where you would harm someone and their entire family would come and wipe out your entire tribe. Like Star Wars style. Like it's not, uh, it, it was never just. It was you hit me, I hit you back harder. I hit, they hit you back harder, you hit them back harder. And it just escalates. And this is how we end up with wars. This is how the whole thing goes. Um, second point about this passage is justice was measured by a court, not an individual. If you flip through a lot of these passages of scripture, you see things like Deuteronomy, um, specifically verse uh, chapter 19, where it talks about anyone who violates these laws um, the punishment is not dealt out by, by you who suffered the, the injury. Um, it's not just between you two. You are to take each other to court. Deuteronomy 19 says, A single witness shall not suffice against a person for any crime or for any wrong in connection with any offense that he has committed. Only on the evidence of two witnesses or of three witnesses shall a charge be established. Um, Jesus talks about this in Matthew 18. Oftentimes we use that to talk about things like church discipline. This is what Jesus is referencing. Um, verse 16, it says, a malicious, If a malicious witness arises to accuse a person of wrongdoing, then both parties to the dispute shall appear before the Lord, before the priests, before the judges uh, who are in office in those days. Um, and the judges shall inquire diligently, and if the witness is a false witness um, and has accused the brother falsely, then he shall be punished. Um, so if this happens... You don't just pull out your sword and start poking for the eye, all right? You put it away. You take this person, and you take two or three witnesses, and you tell them about it, and you take them to the elders of the tribe and the priests, and everyone inspects, and there is a jury, and there is a, uh, a righteous verdict that is given. Um, and the fascinating thing is, if you actually study what a lot of scholars have said about the ancient Old Testament law, is that, is that the vast majority of the time, it was likely never actually carried out. What we have is ancient writings from, and records from jurists um, who, who read these laws, and they actually didn't interpret it as law. Um, they, people interpreted this as like principle, as the intent of the law was to guide them towards justice, not vengeance. Anyone who read this ancient law in Leviticus would know about the law of the Code of Hammurabi, and they would notice that there was a difference here, and that this was like a click forward. And they would say, well, 
oh, this is, this is not about class. This is not about vengeance. This is actually about, um, about something totally different. This is about justice. And so they would take this person to the judge, and oftentimes they would come to an agreement about what should be done about this. Um, and it's sort of like, there's, and there's lots of ancient laws, and actually in the Old Testament, uh, laws like Jubilee. Jubilee that everything would go back to its original owner every 50 years, all debts would be canceled. This was a principle that people lived by, but there's actually no evidence that they ever actually did it. It was more of like, no, this is a message from God about how we are to live in this world. It's possible that they did. The vast majority of the time, we know that they did not. Um, this, was, this was something that, that, that they would hold on to as sort of a, a message of love and grace and hope and forgiveness and justice. Um, so, Jesus mentions this law. And he says, you know this law. You've all heard this law. And then he takes it one step higher. And then he says, but I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Now, Here's what we're going to do. Um, Nate Murray, you here? Where's Nate? Okay, come up here. Here's my buddy Nate. He's been my bass player for like a decade. Um, and I'm going to talk to you about the two different kinds of punches that there are in the ancient world. <laughs> Nate's going to stand right here. Come over, no, over here, over here, right here. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth. We're fine. There's elders. We'll take care of it. Um, so, yeah, exactly. Jury. We're all here. So, the ancient Roman world. Welcome to the magical world of ancient Rome. Um, sort of channeled Wayne's world a little bit. Um, okay, so in the ancient world, there's two kinds of punches. First off, you have to know you would only use your right hand for a punch. This is my right hand. Your left hand is reserved for like, uh, like hygiene. Um, your right hand, your right hand is what you would strike people with in the ancient world. There's two kinds of punch in the ancient world. They have different meanings. If I come at you and I swing like this and I hit you with a closed fist and I punch you, that means uh, you are an equal. Me and you, we can wrestle, we can, we can go at it, we can fight, and we're equals. If I come at you and I hit you like this, that is, that is a, um, that's a degrading slap. Um, that is something that uh, someone does to a slave, to someone lower than them, um, to someone who basically is, is not, it's the gentleman versus the poor man. All right. Now, Jesus' text here says... Um, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Where's your right cheek? Right there. So if I slap you on the right cheek, if I'm going to punch, if we're equals, I'm going to have to like what? Punch like that doesn't work. It looks weird. Um, it's, it's, he's talking about something like this. And the word even means it's a slap. It's on the right cheek. Jesus is talking about being slapped by someone who is declaring you, what he said earlier, raka, someone who is lower. So it's an insult. Um, we're, we're, we're lowering the, the, your humanity, your dignity, the image of God in you. Um, and he says, so if someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. So I hit you like this. Turn your other cheek and face me. Now, this is your left cheek. Still right hand. Um, if I go to slap you again, I'm going to hit your eyes and your teeth. And then we end up in lex talionis because you're going to lose an eye or you're, I'm going to break a tooth. And then if that happens, we go to court together as equals. But if he turns the other cheek, turn your left cheek towards me, I can't slap you anymore because then we're equals because we could go to court. I could really damage him. Um, I'm left with one option. I'm going to punch him. But if I do that, we're equals. We have a problem. Now, that's all for you. Thank you. You can, you can go. Appreciate it. Okay. So, so we're left with a problem. Imagine a guy with, with 
the many people that he owns as slaves around him. And he's just slapping them. Everyone can see. And he's just letting everyone know, like, these are mine. I own them. I'm higher than them. And I'm slapping them. I wouldn't hit them. I'm going to slap them. I'm degrading them. They're less than me. They're rakah. They're fools. Uh, But one of them is a follower of Jesus. One of them gets slapped on the face and he stands up and he looks at you and he turns the other cheek this way. And everyone's looking and the passers-by stop and they see, oh no, we have a we have a slave uprising, rebellion going on here. And you're just standing there and you turn your cheek to the guy like, hit me again. Except it's your left cheek. And so we have a problem because if, I slap, if, if you slap me, then, then suddenly uh, um, I, could, I could really do some damage and then we end up in court as equals. If I punch you, everyone sees that I'm treating you as an equal. But if I do nothing, I lose. I'm left with one option. It's conversation. And the thing is about the people who are using violence to keep things the way that they are is they don't have a good argument. That's why they're using violence. That's how they got where they are. Because if there was a good argument for keeping things the way they were, if there was a good argument for having people subject to you, for owning people, for degrading people, if there was a good argument for that, we wouldn't need to use violence now, would we? We would all agree that's the better way. And so there you stand face to face with this person and you're declaring, I'm a man just like you. I'm a human being and we are equal. And now we have to have a conversation. The problem is that he's armed with nothing, but you're armed with the gospel. You've got some words that are powerful. You've got grace. You've got mercy. You are able to look in the eyes of the other person and not see what he sees in you. You are able to look in the eyes of the other person and say, I see the image of God in you. We can rise above this. Um, and this is a powerful message to everyone around. So what we have here is we're going to have three stories. We have this one. That's story number one. These are like those amazing cartoons that are in political like magazines and articles that people kind of share all over the internet. And you see them, and it's just some artist, and he sketched something. And it's like you read it, and you're like, whoa, that paints a way bigger picture about what's going on than the entire paragraph did. We don't even need an article about it. We just need that picture. So Jesus here does three pictures, three like cartoons, um, which can be taken literal as like, They're just specific things that you should do in these situations. But they're more than that. They're also descriptions of how you should live, of how you respond to everything. Um, And so we have another one here in uh, in verse 40. And it says, if anyone would sue you and take your cloak, let him have, uh, take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. Now, um, there are two garments that the average first century uh, Roman, Greco-Roman in that, in that time period would have. I just happened to have somebody dressed for the occasion. Here we go. Um, so this guy here, um, he's that lower like undergarment there that you see hanging down. This one's a little shorter because he's a little more stylish. Um, this is called a tunic. It's sort of like an ancient undergarment. And you would wear this thing. You would have maybe two of them, two or maybe some, the rich people would have three, but you would wear these pretty much every day. This is what would cover you. It was, um, it was considered shameful to be naked in the public square. Uh, the only places you would be naked are, is, is either in the baths or in the gymnasium, which I'm told literally in the ancient world meant, the word meant, um, place to run around naked. Fascinating. Um, <laughs> I'm, not, I don't think, I'm not even joking about that. Um, so I'm going to fact check that because I've heard that for so many years from so many people. And I'm like, there's no way they called it that. The, the, Let's run around naked. 
It's like as lazy as like the fireplace. <laughs> so lazy. Um, <laughs> okay, supposed to be a short message. Um, so we have a tunic and we have a cloak. The cloak is the thing with the button and it wraps and it's longer. You use the cloak for carrying sometimes fruit, like this guy. Um, you would use it, to, you would take it off at night, roll it up and make a pillow and you would lay your head down. Someone who didn't have a cloak meant that they were very, very poor. It's the last thing that you would sell. Um, picture Jacob um, in the book of Genesis where it says, and he took a rock and made the rock his pillow. Guy didn't even have a tunic. He was that poor. That's an ancient way of saying dirt poor, like dirt floors, dirt poor. Um, so you have a cloak and you have a tunic. Um, now, it was considered unjust and wrong to take someone's tunic. It was, um, the vast majority of the time that we know of, it was, it was, in most time periods, it was illegal to sue someone for their tunic because it was wrong to expose somebody's nakedness in the public square, especially in a courtroom um, where the general public would see. And for you to see somebody's nakedness in the public square, it's considered shameful and especially shameful for the person who would cause it. Um, and so Jesus says, if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, so instantly we know this is an unjust lawsuit. This is someone oppressing someone, uh, shaming them, belittling them, dehumanizing them, pronouncing raka again, you fool, you're lower than me over this person. If someone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. Interesting. So you picture the person in court, someone sues them and takes their tunic. And so the person just takes off the cloak and stands there completely exposed, rolls it up, hands it to the person as if to say, here's what you are doing to me. Here's what you have done. Everyone in the room now and everyone walking by to public court place, everyone looking sees what this person is doing to you and they instantly feel shame for that person, for themselves. They consider that person guilty and wrong and disgusting and unjust, the thing that they are doing. It is a way of exposing um, the, the shame of injustice that people are committing on other people. And so this is one situation, but this is a bigger thing. This is Jesus saying, like, no, you, you let them see. You make it visible to them. You find a way to illustrate what they are doing to you. You expose it. Because even evil people who are powerful want good PR. They want people to look at them and say, well, they're good, they're holy. Nobody wants to be outed as an, an evil, wrong, unloving, unjust person. Which is why the powerful work so hard to hide their shameful things while exposing the shame of everyone else. Um, and Jesus says, step up to that. Take one for the team upon yourself and show the world what they are doing to you. Uh, and then we have one more. And it says in verse 41, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. So again, in the ancient world, in the first century, there's some context to this. A Roman soldier was legally allowed to pick anyone and point to them and say, hey, you, you're going to carry my pack a mile. You come here, take my pack. Uh, Roman soldiers were considered a higher class than everyone else. And they were allowed to belittle people, to beat people, um, to look generally look down upon them. And by doing this, a Roman soldier is treating someone like an animal, like a donkey or a dog or, or just whatever. Just saying, hey, you, you imagine a soldier walking into a public square looking around for the kind of people that he really just doesn't like or somebody who's like looking at them and sneering or has talked bad about them. Hey, come here. You're going to carry my pack. Pick it up. Pick it up. And you just sort of kick it at them. It's incredibly heavy. There's weaponry. There's clothing. And there's like 
food and there's probably wine and there's just heavy things that he's carrying. Legally, though, they're only allowed to carry it for a mile. So at the end of the mile mark, the person knows they're coming up upon a mile uh, and the soldier starts looking around for the next person. You, and you can see, you kind of picture yourself in class and the teacher's like, let's see, who knows the answer to this? And you're just kind of like, I don't know, I don't know. Tommy, uh, okay, yes. Yeah, I don't know. I never know. Um, <laughs> you keep picking me, though. But so, so the idea is, it's this like, it, these people are looking down on these other people. So this is what Jesus is describing. So Jesus says, so the soldier looks at you as less than him, declares you to be an animal. He says, he says pick up your pack. Pick up his pack. Put it on. Look him in the eye. Smile. Take off. And when he gets to the one mile marker, he starts looking around for the next person to degrade. You take off running. You keep going. You keep cruising with that pack. And at this point, people are probably laughing. Uh, and the soldier looks. He's like, hey, it's a mile. Stop. Put it down. Put it down. He starts chasing after you. I'm going to get in trouble. Put my pack down. It's comical and it's hilarious because the soldier is now chasing you down the road to remove the load from you um, and treat you justly. You are forcing him into a position to humble himself to you to reveal like, to the world how unjust this is. It's a public spectacle that reveals injustice. This is how the prophets have always been. The prophets have always done this kind of stuff. And Jesus is sort of taking the ancient idea like the prophet. Um, read about them sometime. They did fascinating things. Um, uh, one of them like built a little toy city and then like made a bunch of little figures and like laid siege against that little city for a hundred days in the middle of town. I'm like, what's this guy playing with stuff? He's like, this is you. <laughs> this other guy took this undergarment, this tunic that was soiled and nasty and like buried it for like, a couple of months, and then dug it up, and it was really disgusting, and he holds it up, he goes, this is you, to all the people. It was this way of like, it was like public theater, it was all of that, and Jesus takes that and gives it to you and says, hey, you go out and expose injustice and stand tall, declare, declare equality, look them in the eye, risk yourself, expose their sin, take it upon yourself, and stand there. And people will see, and people will wake up. This is a powerful passage. It puts in your hands, first off, the gift of imagination. It's creative. Uh, It's a new thing. You know what it's not? It is not, it is not violent resistance. Jesus even says, before he starts this whole thing, he says, verse 39, I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. The the idea here, the word resist and all of this, it basically means... um, uh, and he goes into punching, like, it, don't hit him back. You don't return violence for violence. You don't use their thing against them. You don't do that. Um, so this is not violent resistance, rising up and being violent towards them. Also, though, this is not just being passive. There tends to be two options that people talk about. You can either fight back and, and do them what they did to you, or you can just do nothing and just let them carry on and just trust that God will take care of it. And that's how we tend to view things like pacifism and stuff. Um, what Jesus is offering is neither violent resistance or pacifism. He's offering a third way. It's this whole new thing. It's divine. It's different. It's the way of the cross. It, is, it, is, it, it, it takes bravery. It takes um, imagination, again, um, it also takes a new posture because here's the thing. This has been done at several different 
times in human history. It is regularly in small pockets of the, of the world practiced today. It is surprisingly not only beautiful, but effective. Um, it, it requires a change of posture towards other people. It requires, it requires you to look at what they're doing to you and look at them in the eye and being able to see past the things that they've done to you, to look them in the eye and say, um, I know you don't see the image of God in me. I know you don't see my humanity, but I see it in you. I see it in you. I, I do not agree with you that this is how things are, that this is how things need to be. I don't agree with that at all. It also, it also takes you, um, it takes you to, re-examine your posture towards the gospel. Do you really believe the gospel is true? Do you really believe that everyone is the same in the eyes of God? That God's eyes are full of love for everyone and he wants all of them to know him, his grace, and his love. Um, Not only that, do you really believe that the way which the gospel entered into the world, the cross death, burial, and resurrection, do you believe that's possible and true? Not only happened, but does happen, that this is the way. It is the rebellion against, like, no, the sword's not the answer, the cross is the answer. It's this whole new thing. It's a totally different way. And it also asks the question, who is the Lord? Because when we say Jesus is Lord, people say it all the time, they put it on t-shirts and on bumper stickers, and I don't think they understand what exactly that means, because a Lord, think of it in an ancient first century kingdom sense, a Lord was somebody who was powerful and who made the laws, and you followed, and you had to live by their laws, but you believed that these laws were the things that you would live by to bring about justice in the world and peace in the world. Are they right? If they're right, then the president is Lord, or Caesar is Lord, or the emperor is Lord. When we say Jesus is Lord, we are saying, I live by a different set of principles that I believe will bring about peace in this world. I am not a citizen of this world. I am, I am what, what Paul calls a resident alien, that I am I'm part of a whole other kingdom. Jesus is my Lord, not any of you, not any of this. And in fact, we are equal. Not only that, I mean, listen to the language of 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 any political candidate at, at, during like an election cycle, what should we do about our enemies? I, we should kill them. Well, I, I, would, I would actually kill them and their families. I would kill them and their entire community. I would make the desert glow. I would drop a nuke on it. Um, this is how we talk about it. And so this is the answer over here is like, the only thing that has been done ever in humanity, um, th- 3,000 years, there's been like 5,000 wars. Like, this is, seemed, this is all we got, apparently. Is, that's our answer. Um, and then over here, you have the opposite side who says, well, I don't believe in that. Well, what do you, and then they rise up, and then they get violent. And we're all using the same thing, trying to accomplish this thing that has never been achieved through that. And then Jesus enters into the picture and says, there's another way. It's the third way. It's the way that understands that God loves these people. It's a way to say, yeah, they're committing sin, and yeah, it's going to, when you stand up and you preach the gospel, um, you could become a martyr, you could suffer, you could take some pain. But it's following Jesus. When Jesus took your sin upon his cross, what do you think that meant? You might have to take this person's sin upon you and, and feel a bit of pain. You may have to, it, it requires bravery. It also requires a lot of the practice of spiritual disciplines because it's really hard to get over the fact of looking at these people as simply the things that they've done or the things that they've said or their worldview. It takes a lot of love and grace and mercy to get past all of these things and to look them in the eye and say, we are the same. 
we are the same. And to have a different response altogether. And, I mean, here's the thing. The, the cross, hasn't, it hasn't failed. It's just rarely ever been tried. Rarely ever has the cross been tried. The few times it has been tried, though, the nonviolent resistance route, the creative exposing injustice, it has worked. It has brought into these temporary moments, it has brought salvation. And on a just small cosmic tangible scale, the same kind that it brings on a cosmic scale throughout the cosmos. Um, and the question you really that we, we have to ask is, um, so who's, in order to bring about peace in the world, whose blood should be poured out? Because the answer that the empires and the people in charge, powerful people, have always given is, um, well, um, they are evil, and so their blood should be poured out so that we can have peace. But the answer that Jesus offers is, they, no, they're loved. They're children of, of God. They just don't know it yet. And I will allow my blood to be poured out so that they can know peace. That's, the, that's what Jesus said. And the result was this thing here, which started because of the resurrection, the, the rise of the church, which has absolutely altered the world in a thousand ways for good, um, and which millions and millions and millions of people look to as like the answer, the answer to everything, the cross. Yet, I wonder if we actually believe it, that it's the right way. We, we treat it as like this sort of thing we mentally ascend to, this belief thing that we just kind of, I just, I believe it, and then I go live how I want. But if you believe something, you live it. If you believe the cross is the way, if you believe that Jesus was right, there is a way that you should live. And it starts with studying the scriptures, understanding the, the teachings of Christ, and then exercising it. And it starts small, and it's difficult. But you start to see that the way is, is beautiful, and it's powerful. It changes people, and it frees people. It sets people free. And so when we return to them what they give to us, what we are saying is, I agree with you. That's the way. That's how we'll fix things. Do we agree with them or do we agree with Jesus? Because when we give them exactly what they gave us, we're saying, I agree with you. That's how we fix it. We know deep inside that's not true. We know it's not. Um, and so we're going to take communion. There's a lot here. I'm not asking you guys to stand up and like run outside and Start being crazy. Um, but first off, communion servers, you guys can take the elements and spread around uh, the room for me. Um, I'm asking you to, to, to spend some time in solitude and silence and meditation pondering upon these things. These are the words of Jesus. These are the things that he said. And we can't just go on ignoring them and stripping from Jesus all the power that he actually has to bring about healing into this world. Jesus didn't just come for, for later, for your afterlife. He, he came so that you could have life abundantly. There is, there is life before death. You know that, right? There is. And it's, it can be good and beautiful. It can have purpose. It can be healing. And so as we take communion today, I mean, that's kind of the question is, 
Do you really believe these things? And has your life lined up to this? The entire book of James is a book about um, if you really believe this thing, we would be able to see it in your actions. That's what the entire book is about. When you look at people's actions, you can actually tell their beliefs by them. Most of us are saying one thing and doing these other things, and there's this cognitive dissonance. It doesn't get us anywhere. It actually gets us to really bad places and, and confused about what we're actually doing here. As we take communion today, I want you to ponder these things. I want you to feel the weight of them. I want you to have some imagination. I want you to pray and, and ask God for that imagination. We, we serve the great creator, an incredibly creative God. We are made in God's image, the creator. Um, you have a mind that God has given you um, to accomplish the things that God has laid out before us to do. However that looks, gather some people together, talk about it. Use your imagination. Imagine the kingdom, what it would look like and how we get there. How do we bring that here? How do we take part in what Jesus is already doing in this world and just lay our hands? The, the kingdom is, is it's at hand. Jesus said that to you. It's available to you now, not just later. Most of us don't even realize it. So let's spend some time in prayer. Let's ponder these things. If you need to repent, do it. If you need to pray right outside these doors on the left, there's a room. There should be somebody in there to pray with you. Um, and uh, let's pray. Father, As we go into communion, I ask that you would reveal to us your heart again. Convict us of the ways we've just chosen to ignore your your path, your way. It is the path of of, to your glory, but it, it is not necessarily in this world something that we see as glorious, something that we want to do. I ask that you would stir up in us the passion that we should have for the gospel. That it wouldn't just be something in our minds, that it would be something in our hearts and our hands. Something that when we come together, we work out um, in relationship that, that we strive for in this world. We believe, um, we believe in the cross. We believe it has the power to heal. We believe it, has the, it, it has the power to, uh, to resurrect it's the power to make people whole. And so we bring our, our earthly ways, led by our human emotions and, and the spirits of the flesh, and we repent of them. We ask for your spirit. We ask that you would guide us. Be with us as we enter into a time of communion. Set yourself before us. In your name, amen. Take some time and... Uh, and uh, talk to Jesus today.